just me. A place to be me, where you get to experience life. Life is a journey, not a guided tour. If you want the rainbow, you have to go through the rain. Well, welcome back, everybody. We are here doing a special episode series with Just Me Therapy Podcast. And this is going to give you insight into the three women that are behind this podcast that are all mental health professionals that are here to really help you understand a little bit more about yourself. And so this podcast is something that um, is a labor of love for them. And so today I want to bring on Sasha. So Sasha, hello, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing well. So I want you to just give people a little bit of background about Sasha Giles and, um, you know, what made you decide, listen, therapy is the thing for me to do. I'm going to do this therapy thing. Yes. So I did a lot of different work with after school programs um, and I went to a lot of leadership conferences in middle school and high school. Um, And I had someone who was that support, emotional support for me when I was younger. So after doing all of that, it made me it motivated me to want to work in a system where we're joining people together or at least try to facilitate that. Um, so that's kind of what what started the jumping from working with people to, okay, I want to work in a joining in a joining round now. Okay. All right. And then um, how long have you been doing the therapy and what's your specialty? Ooh, I've been doing the therapy for officially like with a license. I've been doing it for about five, six years. Um, just been working in different mental health hospitals and um, within the community for about 15 years now. Um, and what my specialty is families and uh, um, children. And what led you to do the children? Was it because of the fact that you had some help growing up and you kind of saw some things that made you say, you know, children need a little bit more help? Because sometimes people, you know, they they shift in a certain direction, right? And I think mm-hmm. always it's something interesting because, you know, kids have a lot that is going on in their little lives. And I don't think we realize that we may oftentimes kind of shirk it off to, oh, they're just kids. But in my just view, there's been so many changes to just being a kid from when I was a kid to when these kids are kids now. And when we kind of look at that, they have so much more pressure that we never had because we didn't have all of this technology and all of this social media. So is there anything specific that said, let's focus on kids as a specialty? For me, it was when I was younger, the fact that I had someone who supported me um, and actually listened. Um, but as I'm getting older and going on through my own lifespan, I realized that, yeah, some of the things that I was able to connect with with younger kids or when I was a younger person, not so much anymore. And I think that for me, just going along as I am aging, recognizing that some of the A patients <laughs> that I have and B, the, some of the connection that I had with um, clients when I was younger I'm still having that connection with, but it's like we're going on through the um, through the lifeline. Mm-hmm. So I would say that while the specialty, the thing that got me was working with children, the thing that continues to motivate me with working in this field is working with people and recognizing that as we grow older, as we continue to grow as people, um, there's new lessons that we have to learn. And that's what I've enjoyed the most, including the navigating my own life. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, it's a whole bunch of stuff that changes, right? 
What would you say has been one of the biggest transitions? And, you know, this is kind of like a common theme from the pre-COVID time to like where we're at now, you know, and just speaking with your colleagues, you know, it's been some changes and things. What have you seen has been a trend in the type of people that you're getting that are coming to you for therapy now? Because I would imagine, of course, people need help. So they're still going to come to therapy. But has there been a trend in a certain type of person or a certain gender or anything from that time to now? I would say that I've seen a lot um, more anxiety and I've mm-hmm. seen a lot more of, and we say in the professional, in, in the field, we say anxiety, but really it's just the change in quality of life that people are experiencing and the status, what's helping to satisfy them what they recognize as happiness. And I think that's what a lot of people are coming to counseling for is to get some more um, reflection on what really is making them happy right now versus what was making them happy in the past and what would they would like to do to continue their happiness in the future. And I think that's big because my happiness is going to be different from your happiness and anyone else's happiness. So what I need to do or what I choose to do to support myself is going to be completely different. And that's not a one size fits all. And too often we look at, oh, we'll just have these tips and have these four bullet points that will help you to get out of depression or get out of anxiety. But it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's what people are seeing after two years, three and a half years um, of lockdown is that my happiness isn't driven by the work, work, go, go. Um hamster wheel type of anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you finding that any people are, you know, and this is, and I'm going to go with this just because I know this about you, are putting, um, like, I guess, travel into their lives, right? You just, you know, and I would think that a lot of people now are like, look, this is a, a bigger world than I've probably made it. And now I feel like I want to travel. I want to find myself. I want to get away. Um, and then also I want to speak to or what you to speak to that work from anywhere kind of thing, because I'm seeing that just like as a trend in general, like, look, if I can get Wi-Fi and I can get a good signal. Right. Then I, I can just probably be anywhere. And that seems to be um, to me a trend that people are kind of going toward. Yes, because your backyard is bigger than your backyard now. Um, you know, it's not the the the, the concrete slab or the the um, four by four pitch of brass that you know you're used to seeing. It's a lot bigger than what we're comfortable with and what we're used to. And one thing that I have learned over the past year, kicking and screaming, I might add, but I learned it. It had. You have to push yourself out of your comfort zone and that even though things around you are changing, your destination doesn't have to change. It's how you get there that you may have to change and switch up. Um, And so with that, yes, working remotely, that's or working from a different place. Um, I have um, a friend that I'm definitely um, I admire because she just took that mindset. She just said, you know, I can truly work from anywhere doing PR. And so she just often just went to, um, gosh, I want to say it was South Africa, but she just picked up and went there and Mm -hmm. stayed there for about a month and just worked remotely. But the experience that she got with meeting new people, with having different conversations, with trying new things was something that revitalized her. And I think that's something that I got as well, just from doing my travels, um, 
I would say is that meeting new people revives my spirit. And that helps me to recognize, all right, well, happiness is bigger than your backyard. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a really great saying. Now, with kids, right? Mm -hmm. I would imagine kids, they just can't pick up and just travel when they want, right? Like they have to have parents and money and stuff, right? Passports, all of those things. So that may not necessarily be something that's feasible for your average child. But one of the things that I see like trend-wise too has been that FOMO, that fear of missing out. How do you feel like when you're trying to help kids? Because I've been seeing that school districts have been suing social media companies because of the mental health effects that they've been having on kids. And I mean, it's just, it's rampant, right? So what kind of advice could a parent have or could you give to even a kid if they're watching this, right? To give them a perspective of, you know, you don't have to miss out on everything because maybe everything's not worth going to in the first place, you know? But it's like when you're in high school or, you know, wherever, elementary, middle school, you feel like you need to be a part of something, you know? So what's some advice that you could give to people to kind of let them know that maybe the technology is is doing too much or that things will still be there? Yeah, yeah. I think there were like five or six questions within that that one question. We've had so many things that I was thinking about, like just different nuances of it, yeah. Yeah. So as far as with the fear of missing out, I would say that when you see other people's lives or you see other people's chats or you see other people's interactions, is that something that represents you? Yes, this person appears to be happy. Yes, this person has the smile and face and the light at a right angle, um, um, flawless eyebrows or flawless, what you perceive to be flawless um, or engaging or exciting, but it may not be all of that. They're showing you that one snippet of what their life is. And so kind of taking that and understanding that that may not be their reality. You are creating that reality for them and you are putting that reality on a platform. So just because this person has it doesn't mean that necessarily it's good for you. And that's okay. Um, and I think that that's something that we learn as we get older and become more mature. Um, I, you say kids and you say um, teenagers, but I see it a lot with young adults too in their 20s. So that idea that I have to compare my life and mirror it like this when in all actuality is a snippet of it. And I would say for the younger kids, depending on who's telling you this information, um, a lot of times it's, it's caregivers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, they thinking about their motive and their intention. If someone is telling you, don't touch that stove, and they are telling you that because they truly care about your safety, why question it? Or question it, excuse me, question it, but why not understand where they're coming from, their intent? Um, I see a lot of teenagers who are saying, oh, my parents just want to control me or my parents just don't want me to live um, or enjoy myself when that's not necessarily the case. There may be certain increments where they feel like you're mature enough to reach that next point. Mm -hmm. So I would say to the teenagers is think about the information, the advice that this person is giving you. Have they ever wished malice on you? Have they ever wished ill intent on you? If that's not the case, take into consideration what they're saying because you have your whole life ahead of you and you have plenty of time to live certain things out. Just take your time. Um, and I forget, there was one more question that you kind of threw in there with that big question, but I can't remember it right now. I don't know, you just answered it well, so that's good. That's good enough for me. But um, you you made me think about something else. You know, when you're talking about it's no malice and, you know, the person is definitely looking out for your best interest. Um, 
I would think that in therapy, part of a major part of what you do is help people to be better communicators because they might not understand the logic or the reason or even the emotion behind why the person is telling them not to do something. They're just listening to you. You told me not to do this, right? So how can the parent or the older person or the caregiver just be a better communicator to let them know that there is good intent behind why I'm saying don't do it. And, you know, because a lot of adults feel like I don't have to tell you why. I just said this is what it is. Right. So, um, you know, what can those adults do to be better communicators to allow them to just understand that there is good intent behind the no or the this is not what you should do? I think that comes down to learning how to talk from a point of compassion, learning how to really express the feelings that you are feeling as to why you are saying no to your child. Are you saying no to be that um, authoritative, dictative parent or person? Or are you saying that because deep down inside, you worry about their safety? Or that's something that you did when you were younger and there's fear for you that I know how it turned out how I when I was younger, so I don't want it to turn out like that for you. Not to say that it will, but then opening up that opportunity to have a conversation with your child. Like, um, for example, exposure to pro, um, pornography or sexualized images. What that means, what that looks like as a parent, what your fear is, what your worry is, and then having that dialogue with your child. Um, I remember growing up and I never asked. It was very seldom that I asked why to my parents. It was kind of like, all right, they said do it. So let me just do what I got to do because I really want to go outside or I really want to go to this school dance or something of that nature. Um, so I, when we were younger, we really didn't ask those why questions. And it was you do what I do. When I tell you to do it and you don't ask questions. But now we're getting as technology becomes a lot more vast and kids are getting exposed to more wise and information that they can just type on the internet, they're getting more um, responses. So as a result, in the home, it forced parents to have to open up more and give those whys, even though we were taught not to give those whys because we didn't receive those whys. But now our mm -hmm. kids are asking for those whys and those whys have to be conveyed in a very respectful, but still assertive way to recognize that, okay, I'm the parent, but at the same time, I'm valuing your curiosity because your curiosity is going to continue to propel you as you become 20, 30, 40, 50. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that's an important factor though. And I was the kid that always asked why, but I was allowed to ask why, even if I got in trouble for asking why. But I, I just need to have that explanation because then I can make sense of it myself. You know, mm -hmm. I'm still probably going to, Can you see me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I think we're having a weather issue today. So anybody that heard that, that's just a little blank out. But, you know, this is technology, right? So we're going to keep on going. But, um, you know, I think the thing is, it's a generational difference, right? Mm -hmm. And who's raising who and how old the parents and the grandparents really are nowadays when grandparents are the age of, what the kids were back in the day and still considered kids. Um, and then you see talking about the different types of families that we have now. Um, is there anything else that you've found that over the last, you know, five, six years since you've been doing this that has changed drastically 
with um, maybe some of the issues that people are bringing to you? Yes. Yes. I would definitely say that um, and not just in counseling in my profession, but also in my relationships, um, my friendships, you know, in the world. Um, I would say that men, people who identify as male are being more vulnerable or expressive with their emotions. And I think that's an important part because while therapy, traditional therapy may not be the, the resolution of the resolve, your feelings, your thoughts, and your opinions matter. And I think that as we began, as I began to get older and go into different relationships of my own, that instead of having this image or this perception that this person is going to be the end-all be-all and not have any feelings or emotions or not get their feelings hurt is not realistic. So I appreciate the idea of men coming to and talking more about how they feel being vulnerable. Yeah, I've noticed that too. And I think, you know, specifically, it seems like sports figures, sports in general, but sports figures, um, because that's the thing that has historically been seen as so masculine, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then when they say, look, I really need help and my mental health, I think that that makes a huge difference. Now, do you think that um, there are any things that are official profession, like when you look at the trends? And that's why I'm saying trends because there's always going to be a push towards something. Therapy has been there, you know, and, and you know, but people are now choosing. It used to be seen as something that was for the rich. And now I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit more accessible, specifically with something like your podcast and why you're doing the Just Meet Therapy podcast is because you want to make it more accessible. But is there um, anything that, you know, has been something that's like, okay, well, now, now it's cool, Lord. Now we should do it, you know? But sometimes I think that the trend also raises the price, right? Like, so is it raising the value, but also raising the price? Or like, what do you think is, is really happening right now in the therapy world? Um, as, a rega- as in regards to what, the popularity of it or the... Yeah, the- I mean, is now people are paying attention to it. So if men are being more vulnerable, if there's somebody that's saying you should pay attention to it, now all of a sudden, like, so let's take like, for instance, if we go like Megan Thee Stallion, right? So Megan Thee Stallion goes and she starts her own little information about therapy. And I'm assuming she's probably taking therapy too. And now all of a sudden the hot girls want to get on therapy, right? So I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a good thing. But do you think that people are maybe just coming just to say that they went to a therapist? Do you think it's just a popular thing now? Like, what do you think the value of it is for just, I guess, the average person now? I think that it's maybe 25% just to say I did it. Um, and I think the rest is that people are tired. People are have held so much in for a very, very long time. I think that a lot of the things that have um, we've ex- experienced over the past three or four years as far as society kind of takes us back to a place where we thought our, our country was this progressive and forward-thinking country. But in all actuality, when we take a lot of those... Um, those filters off of our society and we see how these systems are truly working that we realize that at the risk of sounding a little risque, um, 
you know, modern day slavery. And so when we think about those things and we think about the mental strife that comes with um, people of the diaspora, the Africans, of African-Americans of the diaspora, we think about, no, we're tired. We're mm-hmm. really tired. Um, mm-hmm. And no longer am I going to bite my tongue because my tongue is starting to bleed. So mm-hmm. I think that that's the element where a lot more people are saying that, okay, there is more than one way to um, get over some of those stressors and those microaggressions in my community or country or company. Um, so I think that people, their bodies are getting filled up with all of these emotions that if they don't let them out, it's going yeah. to be um, really concerning. My behaviors could be unhealthy. Um, my The way I project and interact with my family is going to be unhealthy. I know during the pandemic, there were a lot or significance of the pandemic, there were a lot of marriages that were called to the carpet because mm-hmm. it really you made you realize that there were so many other elements in my life. So um, instead of that, you know, robot, robot behavior. So I think that mm-hmm. the pandemic, and I think that people's really challenging what this country can bring and do for them has a lot, allowed a lot of emotions to come out. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you answered it wonderfully because I think um, you didn't recognize something was a problem until you were faced with it and you didn't have a choice but to deal with it. And just being tired is a real thing, you know, like mentally tired, physically tired, emotionally, spiritually, and then now people being able to have an outlet. So as we conclude this, what would you say you want to leave the people with? Like if a person is saying... I'm considering therapy. What would you say to them, to that person, to get them to say, you know what, come on over here, get a little therapy. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to receive feedback? As long as you are willing to receive feedback, then you're ready for counseling. That's not to say that you're going to do everything that the counselor says or recommends or that you guys are necessarily going to agree. But as long as you're able to receive feedback and coming in with an open mind, then you're ready. You're ready. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen in a month. It's truly not because you're working on years of behaviors that you want to do differently in order to get to the destination. Again, going back to that, the destination is here. What you're doing right now isn't working to get to that destination. So now you have to switch up some of those behaviors and that mindset. That's not going to happen in a month. Uh Uh So you got to work at it. You got to be open to it. Yeah, no, I love that. Now, if a person says, okay, listen, I listen to the podcast, but Sasha, what's your favorite moment or episode or whatever throughout this whole time of you doing the podcast? What would that be for you? I would say the the episode right before um, our live episode where we spoke about intergenerational trauma and how a lot of times we don't know what is truly ingrained in us and our behaviors and our actions until we start to pull back those layers and understand why we do what we do. So, yeah, yeah. And that whole intergenerational trauma one, that whole separate segment, I totally love that because I think we all suffer from it. And, you know, when you kind of talk about what you can do to get out of it, those episodes were definitely some of my favorites. So, um, yes, applaud. Yay, applause uh, for those episodes. And so um, what do you, what do you, you know, if you're saying, okay, look, I'm going forward. What do you want to see happen with the podcast? Oh, gosh. I just, I want to be able to get to a space where our, 
our interaction with people is broadcasted um, a lot more in the in the the on the couch of a person in their living room. You know, I don't want it to be us talking at people. I don't want us to be talking at individuals or saying or lecturing or saying you should do this, you should do that because it's not a one size fits all. The same thing that works for you is not going to work for me. But I would definitely like that idea of talking um, our our concerns out and our emotions to be very just as important as your physical health, mm-hmm. not competing for it. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff because, you know, once we really start to pay attention to what we really need and then make steps towards actually going after that, um, then I think that that would just cause us to have just better mental health overall, which then feeds into all the other parts of our lives. So I think that that's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your thoughts and your insight. Um, and then just giving us a perspective about, you know, the people that should be coming to you and the things that you really love doing, because it does make a huge difference when a person can kind of get a little insight into that area and they can say, I have that problem. Yeah. Let me go on over there. Let me talk to her uh, because she obviously understands. And so um, parents, teenagers, you know, this is definitely the person you should be talking to because you want to have a better relationship. And I think that once you make that decision, then now you have to just press the button and book the consultation, right? Or press the button and listen to the podcast. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for being on. And everybody, you know, just keep listening to uh, Just Me Therapy. You can go to justmetherapy.com and you can find all of the past episodes and new episodes are coming. Thank you, guys. Hey, Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Just Me Therapy podcast. If you are seeking further one-on-one diagnoses, interventions, and treatment plans, please consider scheduling an appointment with an individual counselor at Journeys Counseling Center located in Greensboro, North Carolina. Journeys can be reached at 336-294-1349. The mission of Just Me Therapy podcast is to use authentic conversations to uplift one's mind, body, and soul. The goal of Just Me Therapy is to offer affordable education and insight to individuals who experience financial barriers to accessing individualized behavioral health care services. With that being said, the information, including opinions, advice, and recommendations discussed in this podcast are intended for individual, informational, and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to substitute the recommendations of your own licensed therapist or healthcare professional. Although we are licensed behavioral health professionals, we are not your licensed behavioral health professional. As a result, the advice mentioned on this podcast should not replace the recommendations offered by your own qualified health professional.